It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A Sitka Coast Guard crew medevaced a man early Tuesday morning from a cruise ship in Dixon Entrance. Late Monday evening, the 2,800-passenger celebrity Eclipse requested a medevac for a 67-year-old man in need of medical attention. According to Coast Guard Public Affairs Specialist Nate Littlejohn, the on-duty flight surgeon was in communication with the captain of the cruise ship, as well as with medical personnel on board, before greenlighting the operation. There are a lot of conversations that are had among among the commanding officer at the unit, along with the duty flight surgeon, to determine uh, whether or not the situation warrants a medical evacuation, which is a very da- dangerous thing to do. Little John said the medevac was deemed absolutely necessary in this case and was completed at around 1.30 a.m. Tuesday morning. Upon arrival, a rescue swimmer was lowered onto the deck and worked with medical staff on board to hoist the man onto the rescue helicopter. The patient was then flown to Air Station Sitka, where local EMS transported him to Mount Edka Medical Center. Sitka's drinking water is officially prize-winning on a national level. The city's tap water, locally sourced from Blue Lake, won second place last week at the American Water Works Association, AWA, taste test competition. Water and Wastewater Superintendent Shiloh Williams says Sitka was one of 26 finalists from the United States and Canada. In order to enter, competitors must first win their state or regional contests and can't have any drinking water violations on their record from the previous year. Sitka qualified after winning Alaska's title. The contest took place at the Awa National Water Industry Conference in San Antonio, Texas. Williams shipped two one-liter glass bottles of Sitka water to the conference in a cooler, but her hopes were nearly dashed in a shipping disaster. While I was there, I I received an email from the uh, contest coordinator that said our bottles had uh, come broken, so we're really bummed out about that. Um, and so I thought that was the end of it and that we wouldn't, wouldn't have a chance. But the next day, Williams received word that only one of the bottles had broken, and they were back in the game. Three judges from the water industry tasted all 26 contestants' samples, then narrowed it down to five finalists for a second round. You know, they, they certainly were taking their time smelling and tasting the water, and they were marking down their notes. Sitka placed second, just ahead of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. First place was Water One, an independent public water utility that serves Johnson County, Kansas. Water One also won the People's Choice Award. Sitka didn't enter that contest because it would have required shipping a larger volume of water to Texas. Williams says it's the first time they've entered the competition, and she believes it's the first time an Alaska utility has placed in the event. So I'm really excited about it, but, you know, it really has really nothing to do with me. It's all about our our great source water. So Blue Lake, Blue Lake is a pristine water source. So we're really lucky to have Blue Lake as our source water. I mean, it's, it's fantastic water just on its own. We provide very minimal treatment, uh, low chemical addition. Williams says she's thankful for the dedication of the city staff that ensures safe water is delivered to Sitkins. We couldn't do this without them, she said. Sitkins are using local trails at a higher rate than the national average, based on a recent survey. Sitka Trail Works Executive Director Ben Huey joined KCAW for the morning interview on Wednesday. Huey said 10% of the adult population, 787 people, responded to the survey. 
over 60% of Sitkins or uh, of the sample are using the trails over once a week. And that greatly exceeds the national averages for outdoor participation rates. Survey respondents' top reason for using the trail system? Exercise. Huey said almost 100 people also said they use the trails for subsistence. This is also an avenue to put food on the table. Um, It's brushy out there, and if you can use the trails to haul out a deer, then you're uh, benefiting your family with this really important infrastructure. Huey said Sitka Trailworks is using this field season to consider ideas proposed in the survey, looking into both maintenance and establishing new routes to meet interests highlighted in the survey, like loop trails and more challenging day hikes. You can listen to the full interview with Huey and find a link to the survey results on our website at kcaw.org. Southeast Alaska's ferry link to northern British Columbia resumed on Monday after nearly three years out of service. KRBD's Eric Stone spoke with some passengers waiting to board the first state ferry to Prince Rupert since 2019. For Lindsay Swaim, the return of the Prince Rupert ferry route means she can see family again. That means everything to me. I can go down and visit my grandma, who I haven't seen in over two years. Her parents are in Prince Rupert taking care of her grandmother, who's in her 90s. Swaim says without the ferry, travel was impractical. In order to see her, I'd have to fly to Seattle, Seattle to Vancouver, Vancouver all the way to Prince Rupert on a prop plane. And that's just pretty ridiculous when a ferry can go there in six hours. Swaim was one of the 83 passengers who rode the ferry Matanuska to Prince Rupert. It's the first run since ferry officials put the route on hold in September 2019 over a dispute over whether U.S. Customs officials could carry firearms. But now, after some security upgrades at the terminal, the route is back on. Scott Milner is another passenger waiting to board outside Ketchikan's ferry terminal. He says the return of the shortest ferry route connecting Ketchikan with the North American road system means he can take his eight dongs to agility competitions down south again. Probably the most famous is Bolt, who <clears throat> won the United States Dog Agility Pairs competition at their World Games in uh, Phoenix, Arizona in 2016. Angus is a AKC Masters Agility champion. And then we have two new puppies that we're just training up, and that's kind of what this trip's about. He's planning a month-long road trip through Canada in several states with his four chihuahuas and four Shetland sheepdogs. Donita Odell is also planning a road trip. After driving down to Seattle for a doctor's appointment, she says she's planning to drop off a vehicle at a family member's house in Idaho in preparation for another trip next month. She says it's her four-year-old daughter Merritt's first time on a state ferry. These are the kinds of experiences it's pretty hard for us to be able to give her because uh, we definitely can't afford to put a trailer and the truck going down to Bellingham and then take two weeks for a family vacation and then come back up. It's totally undoable, so this this makes things a lot more accessible for us. State Representative Dan Ortez was also aboard the first run to B.C. The Ketchikan Independent says the return of the Prince Rupert route is a big deal for Southeast Alaska. For lots of reasons, history, culture, the whole thing, you know, Prince Rupert's been an important part of of the total package that the Marine Highway System has offered over the years, and when it wasn't there, boy, did I hear about people missing it, so it's really important. Ortez says it's also a way for him to visit constituents. He plans to visit the tiny hamlet of Hyder for the first time in two years. Everyone I spoke with was glad to see the Prince Rupert route back online, but there's one consistent complaint. Residents say they wish there were more runs. There are just seven round-trip voyages scheduled through September, or about two a month. 
State transportation officials say they're hoping to schedule more frequent calls after some ships are overhauled and brought back online. The fall and winter schedule is due out in August. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Unlike so many problems over the last couple of years, the interruption in Alaska Marine Highway Service to Prince Rupert wasn't attributable to COVID, but to a disagreement over the arming of U.S. Border Protection officers at the Prince Rupert Terminal. COVID, however, was a factor in preventing a quick resolution to the issue. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. In a letter in March of 2019, U.S. Customs and Border Protection informed the Alaska Marine Highway that it could no longer inspect Alaska-bound ferry traffic in Prince Rupert unless its officers were armed, which was prohibited by Canadian law. The letter stated, We cannot accept exposing our officers to the risks associated with conducting examinations of passengers without a law enforcement presence to protect them from unruly passengers and other more serious security circumstances. When an agreement over paying for Canadian mounted police to provide law enforcement failed to come to fruition, U.S. Customs pulled out and ferry service to Prince Rupert was suspended in September of 2019. By the following March, most of the U.S. and Canada was in a COVID lockdown, and State Department of Transportation spokesperson Sam Dapsevich says it was difficult to make much progress on the issue. The pandemic really slowed things down because uh, Canada kind of shut down pretty tight, and then our own United States Customs and Border Protection um, didn't want to go for in-person meetings during the pandemic, so we kind of gradually worked through the issues. Dapsevich says that over time, the state was able to meet the requirements of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. A weapons safe was installed at the terminal's pre-clearance facility, as was broadband internet. And strictly speaking, U.S. Customs agents don't enter Canada. All inspections happen at the pre-clearance facility, and the agents themselves return to the U.S. every day. What it came down to is we transport customs agents on the vessel when it goes to Prince Rupert. So we bring them from Ketchikan to Prince Rupert. They, all of the pre-clearance activities take place at, on our, at our terminal. And then when the ship departs back for Ketchikan, they go with us. Dapsevich says the state has a few more things that it will be working on over the next few years to accommodate U.S. customs requirements at Prince Rupert. But if Monday's sailing is any indication, traffic volumes should be fairly high in both directions on the run. We're expecting good loads on the ship coming back, said Dapsevich. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. 